I do not receive glory from people, but I know that you do not have the love of God within you. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, on whom you have set your hope. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? Praise God for the reading of his word. You may now be seated. A blessed good morning. It has been a rainy week here, but it's good to see most of us here. Some of us are out of town because every end last Sunday, our elders and some of their, they recruit members to visit uh, Daet, which we are building up as one of our satellites. The title of today's message is, Why They Refused Him. And we are still within the context of John chapter 5. If you allow me to just recap a little bit, Jesus healed an invalid and he was able to walk. He commanded the invalid to take up his bed or his mattress or something he sleeps on and go. And that invalid obeyed and he was healed. And while he was walking, uh, it says, the scripture says, the Jews reprimanded him, confronted him. Why are you carrying stuff on the Sabbath? Now, Moses did not say you cannot carry stuff on the Sabbath. However, they have taken the concept of rest and they added rules on how to apply the Sabbath, which is not necessarily in the Old Testament, but they added this is how you should do it. In fact, it has become an added burden. Sabbath should be freedom, a day of rest. And we did remind us, although for the Jew that was required in their law, for the Gentile, the disciples, the apostles never required us on the Sabbath. Now, it wasn't Saturday and then shifted to Sunday. Therefore, Sunday is the Sabbath. Some people may think that. However, the shift came when Jesus rose from the dead. The apostles, the early disciples decided to meet together at the beginning of the week. Many scholars, theologians consider the Sabbath more as a ceremonial law, not a moral law. However, there was this controversy and they confronted this healed person and the person was, no, it wasn't me. I was told to do it, the one who healed me. And so these Jewish fanatics confronted Christ. Why do you heal on the Sabbath? Aside from their misunderstanding of the law of Moses, they were becoming very legalistic, not seeing the beauty of the miracle. 
For 38 years, this man was an invalid. 38 years, and they could not even see that. They were just concerned about, are you following the rules? Don't do this, do this, don't do this, do this. In which the gospel is not about that, although we are commanded to turn away from sin. Only what the Bible reveals as sin do we consider sin. That was the background here. And the Lord has been speaking to them. He did mention to them that he and the Father are one. And that made them angry even more because they're thinking that he is making himself equal to God. And then Jesus explained, I can do nothing separate from my Father. They are one. And in fact, John chapter 1 clearly stated to us that the Word existed. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. And John as a writer, he has some philosophical leaning in terms of writing, although we should say this is now theology. But he would intertwine the truth that yes, there is the Father and there is the Word. And there is also what? The unity of deity. That they are one. Now, the writer of the Gospel according to John, known as John the Beloved or John the Evangelist, Establishing the prologue, and the prologue is John chapter 1, verses 1 to 18. If you're, you read journal articles in college, it's like the abstract. If you read it, that's what he develops throughout the Gospel of John. And it says there that in the prologue, the light came to his own people. Still, his own people did not receive him. We find that in John 1, verse 11. The Jews refused to believe in him, even after the Lord explained the witnesses behind him. Now, last Sunday, a sermon was dedicated on the witnesses in a courtroom. It is good to have many witnesses to establish a truth or to establish a claim. For example, if there are Disputes on land, and maybe some of you have experienced this. If there are no clear documents, what do the investigators do? They talk to people, the old people, the young, historically establishing who owns this land. So it is established by witnesses. Now, the Lord explained who his witnesses were. One was John the Baptist, although he was human. The Lord said, I do not receive glory from man, but God intended for John the Baptist to be a witness to fulfill prophecy that one day there will be a voice in the wilderness. Then, of course, the Father, the works that Christ did, the Father's works through Christ, and that would include his suffering, death, and resurrection. But during this time, this event, this encounter with the Jews, it was the signs and wonders, the miracles that has happened, and he included and the scriptures. And Jesus kept saying to these Jews who they think 
they were fanatic about scriptures, but they misunderstood the scriptures. So saying that, no, you think you, you know Moses, but actually you do not. That's what Jesus, in short, what he was saying. And that's a warning for all who claim to believe in Jesus Christ and who, all who claim to believe in the Bible. Because we might think we do believe in him, but our understanding is incomplete. And that's why it is important we study the scriptures as we do Sunday after Sunday. We go through it chronologically, line by line, seeking the text and the context so that our understanding will be whole. Now, in this sermon, I will explain through the text, Jesus stating the reasons why they rejected him, why the Jews rejected him. One would be God's love was not in them. Two, they receive glory from one another. And three, they do not genuinely believe the scriptures. Point number one, why they refused God's love, not in you, Jesus said. Honor that comes from men is comparably insignificant to the honor that comes from the Father. And uh, the other gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and um, especially Matthew, but you know, they sort of, they're similar to one another, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But I remember this, this parable where, what would you want to hear? It's like when you, you face the master, the father, would you, lie, would you hear, you worthless servant, or well done, good and faithful servant? And that should be the dream of every genuine believer, that one day to meet the Lord himself and to hear those words, well done, faithful servant, faithful child of mine, well done. And that should be a dream of every believer, to meet the father one day and his son, and to hear those words. However, we are so tempted by the honor that comes from men on earth. Now, Christ came in his Father's name, but the Jews did not receive him. And one reason, they did not have the love of God within them. Let's read verses 41 and 42, and then we'll move to 43. I do not receive glory from people. But I know that you do not have the love of God within you. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. Now, who would the Jews receive? Those who would come in their own name, but do not come in the Father's name. Those who just want attention to themselves. And that's so much like the fallen man. We are creatures who need attention. Who desperately need affirmation. To some extent, yes, we give that to one another. But let us not live in that. Psychology has revealed the need for self-esteem. But for some people... 
Self-esteem is everything. It is not everything. It is good for someone to tell us good work or not good work. Somebody to mentor us, correct us. We want the applause sometimes because it feels approval. And there's nothing wrong with the applause. But if our hearts seek that, live on that, instead of what? The approval that comes from God and His Word. We'd rather please men and deny what Scripture says. Because this is the peer pressure of the day. Because everybody thinks this way, therefore I am tempted. But Scripture clearly said this. We seek the glory or the approval of men. Jesus said, I do not receive the glory from people. Like I'm saying, I'm careful with this. There's nothing wrong if somebody says to you, good work, and you receive it with thanks. However, some of us are controlled by it. We live our lives based on what others might say. What will they say? What did they think? And some have a life so controlled in that, and if you live in that, there is no joy in that kind of life. If you find disapproval, disapproval from people, then learn from it. Why did they disapprove? Perhaps your work wasn't really that good. Maybe you can improve your work. Use it as a motivation to improve, yes. But for some who are so needy with affirmation, if they don't get it, their whole world crumbles. Nobody loves me anymore. It's a cruel world. Were you born yesterday? It is a cruel world. We're just more civilized now. Once upon a time when there were no laws, or if there are no laws, the strong takes from the weak. It still happens today, by the way. But somehow, some civility has come. Let's go back to the text. Jesus said, I do not receive glory from people. But then he says, why you refuse? Because I know that you do not have the love of God within you. That's why they rejected Christ. They do not have the Father's love guiding them towards Christ. Now, verse 42, let's look at that again. Well, one way of looking at verse 42 is that they do not genuinely love God. I know you, you do not love God. Well, that's one way. But because of the phrasing, we, John might be giving us a dual meaning here. Probably, again, probably. But there's another way of looking at it, only if you're familiar with the other verses of Scripture. And you're not controlled by Christian cliché. You know what Christian cliché is? Clichés are often accepted <clears throat> sayings, but not necessarily cliché. It's a Christian cliché, but not all Christian clichés are necessarily biblical. Some of it, they're well-meaning, but not biblical. Well, have you heard the phrase, Cleanliness is next to godliness. 
Now, I, I, I like the phrase meaning let's clean up. That's important, right? We have to be clean. But, but it's really not in Scripture. I, I can't see it. I can't find it. I've read the Bible so many times. I, it's just not there. You know, there are another Christian cliche. God loves a sinner and hates the sin. That's a cliche. Allow me to show you. Well, you can turn there. I don't have it on screen. But if you look at Psalm chapter 5, verse 5, and Psalm 11, verse 5, God hates the sinner every day. Now, does that contradict for God so loved the world? Not necessarily. For God loved the cosmos. That's the word there. For God loved the cosmos that he gave his only son. What he was saying, his love is found in his son. But what did John 3, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20? But if you're not in the son, you are already condemned. Now, can you imagine Jesus living today? And compared to us, how we were trained, trained with these evangelism seminars, how do you present the gospel? How do we begin? One of the lines we were given, which was my favorite. Let me begin first with my favorite, but I'm very careful to use it right now. If you die today, where will you go? <laughs> so that, uh, somehow I lose friends using that, okay? So um, maybe that's good to use on the deathbed. No, don't do that. So it might speed up the... <laughs> the illness so uh, but there's another one opposite it this was like a hard statement but I didn't see Jesus really and the apostles do that if you die now where will you go I didn't see them do that I'd like to follow what they did which was to present the gospel the suffering death and resurrection and calling people from repentance to faith repent from your sins and believe for the forgiveness of sins I think that's very direct because that's Jesus said this is what we should say. Now, the other one is God loves you and he has a wonderful plan for you. Have you heard that before? Well, God loves you if you follow Christ. He has a wonderful plan. If you don't, he has a plan for you as well. It's not wonderful. He has a destructive damaging, damning plan for you for all eternity. So, how can I know that this person will repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? I don't. And that's the humble part of sharing the gospel. You don't. And then another way of presenting the gospel, we, we use the carrot all your problems will go away if you follow Jesus. Uh, no, you will be tested and tried like Jesus in the wilderness. Your faith will be strengthened. And like a soldier being trained, you will go through hardship so you become stronger spiritually, mentally, and emotionally. And that's basically what's going to happen. Now, 
Now Jesus saying, you do not have the love of God in you. Oh, wow. Wow. Will Jesus say that to you? I don't know. You have to evaluate yourself. So one, looking at, one way of looking at verse 42, they do not love God, or the love of God is not given to them. And let's not forget, although God is love, God is just, although God is merciful, He is a God who will judge. Just a few verses before this, Jesus spoke about eternal life and judgment. He will be the one to give eternal life, but He will also judge. Now, again, this does not contradict 3.16 if you study the context of 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. That's why we say we are contextual students of Scripture. So every cliche we have heard in Christianity, we have to be skeptical in a healthy way. You know, skepticism in a healthy way. Did the Bible really say that? Is that the context? What's the context? So one, why they don't receive is God's love is not in them. So they don't love God enough. That's why they could not see the Son of God right in front of them. Or they do not have God's love in them. Point number two, the glory from men. Another characteristic of the Jews who rejected Christ was they received glory from each other. They prefer honor that comes from humans instead of the approval that comes from God. Vain glory closed their eyes on the truth. And sometimes being religious blinds us. That's why we have to remember we did not and cannot save ourselves. It's just a blessing that we can pray and serve the Lord and obey. It's a blessing. We have to see it as a great blessing. The opportunity. But if we see religion or fellowship or church as a place to a place of pride of being holier than thou then we are misled the more we come closer to Christ and the Father the more we understand there is nothing absolutely nothing in ourselves that we can save us that can save us absolutely nothing so please when we pray let us know our place when we pray Oh, because we, we have forgotten that God is sovereign. Although he is, Jesus said he was a friend to his apostles. Because he laid down his life for his friends. But let us not forget he is king. He is son of man. And son of man based on Daniel is the one who has dominion over all the earth. Verse 44, how can you believe 
When you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God. So, how can you believe? It's a rhetorical question. They do not believe. And, but how can you believe if you receive glory from one another? Our glory or praise, some use praise, but I, I think the word is honor. You like the honor from one another. Should we not honor? Well, we should honor one another. Jesus is not stopping us from honoring each other, but the honor that comes from God is the ultimate. In fact, why we honor one another? Because we know that that is God's command. Honor to whom honor is due is what the Bible said. But what do we seek? The praise of men or the honor that comes from God? That's why, brothers and sisters, if you follow the Lord and somebody criticizes you, sometimes a criticism might be true and we should change, improve ourselves. But there are times it's useless. It's done out of spite or immature emotions. Do not be easily affected. But you will be easily affected if, first of all, the opinion of men is more important to you than what the Bible says. If it's first about God, what God says, what the Scripture says, then we should, by His grace, strive for the approval of God. I think the, the wonderful word um, at times I find in Scripture is favor. Moses prayed, if I find favor in your sight. It's favor. The favor of God comes from Christ. But then James also, the writer James, also explained that there is grace and there is greater grace. And what we need is the favor that comes from God and not from men. The Jews could not see who Christ was right in front of them. Because they seek glory from men. How? Maybe because of being by zealous for the law, which they think is the law, by correcting others left and right. Now, we correct one another, but make sure it's based on Scripture. Because some people correct one another, but that's based on their opinion. And be careful with that, because sometimes the writings of men or the opinions of men, through the pulpit, through preaching, has gone to us, but it's not necessarily what Scripture says. You seek the approval from one another. Now, why should we come to church community so we can learn together? Well, one is we have to learn to love and fear God. But how do you love and fear God aside from your devotion to Him? That is expressed in our devotion to each other. And you know how difficult that can be? I mean, come on. You're having a difficult time with your siblings at home. Can you imagine in church? Uh, some of them seem to be friendly. But then you realize you, it's impossible to like everything about everybody because we grew up different. But that's the point of learning community. Paul, in talking to the Corinthians about their disunity, he explained to them what love is. And that love is patient. I was asked by some of the brothers what sin I usually fall into. Such a personal question. So I answered, patience. 
you know, I can be patient, but you don't see it, okay? You don't see when I'm tested and tempted, especially in the areas of responsibility. We are tempted. And that's the point of community until we grow to a point that, yes, praise God, I have changed. Some of us are quick-tempered. But through community, you realize that's not correct, and then we get checked by one another. Some of us, like the Jews, passionately fight the writings of men. Bawalyan. Correcting each other, but the scripture does not really say so. Then we try to straighten one another, and that's part of community. That's why when we invite you, join a growth group, or you can approach us, can I join a growth group, or can I speak to somebody one-on-one -on -one to just process my thoughts and learn the Bible? Yes, please. Because we believe that if in the name of Christ we gather together and study God's Word together and pray for one another, those little things every week contribute to our spiritual growth, little by little. No, but some of us are, I think we feel better than everybody else, so we don't like it. You have always some criticism. The point is, yes, there is always something wrong with all of us, and that's being us, people. So what do we do despite the weaknesses of each other? It's learn to grow in Christ together. But the truth as the foundation. The truth of Jesus Christ as the foundation. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another? That's part one. Part two, you do not seek the glory that comes from the only God. Some are too lazy to study scripture, but we'll get to that. But some are eagerly trying to find the truth based on scripture. Well, the ultimate approval one must seek should come from God as revealed in the scriptures. There is nothing more important than God's approval. How can anyone believe if they value man's approval more than God's? You cannot. So from today on, let's decide. God first. What the Bible says. We seek the favor of God first before the favor of men. God first. Third reason why they do not believe. First, they do not have the love of God in them. Next, they seek the glory of men and they do not seek the glory of God. Third, third fake faith in the scriptures. If the Jews genuinely believed in Moses, they would have believed in the Son of God. Now, where did Moses write about Christ? You can note this if you're taking notes. You can find it in Deuteronomy 18, verses 15 to 19. That's one part. Of course, the other symbols symbolizes Christ, from the Lamb to, to everything, uh, from the ceremonies. It reflected the coming of Christ. Now, the Jews thought they believed in Moses, but they believed more in the added rules from men. An example here is the strict rules of the Sabbath. Now, verse 45, let's read until verse 47. Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, 
on whom you have set your hope. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? Now the Jews believed that they were defending Moses. When they enforce the added rules to the Sabbath. And some people today believe they're defending God when they are defending the added rules of men. For example, the Bible says there is only one mediator between God and man. And that is Christ Jesus. There's only one go-between. There's only one bridge. And no man is saved unless only in the name of Jesus Christ. There's no other name. But what did man add? They added so many things. There's another mediator, a small mediator. Let's call her Mediatrix. Kind of like the Matrix, right? There's a Mediatrix. That's an added thing that you don't find in Scripture. It's not there. But they defend it like they're defending God himself. You know, there, there's, let me segue a bit. There's an element in the Philippine educational system that is absent. And it is called world history in the dark ages in Europe. You know what happened there? The so-called successors of Peter, popes, tortured many men and women. Tortured. Burn at the stakes. We do not read about that because it's not given to us. You have to do it on your own. But if you go to other parts of the world where they discuss world history, it is not. Now, you do your own research. Now, I just can't believe if somebody claims this is Peter's successor because during Peter's lifetime, he did not build an army and fight the Romans. Clack, clack, clack. Let us fight. I'm Peter, soldier of Christ. And we, no. So many added rules. But that's not in Scripture. And that's the point. When people think they're defending God, when they're actually just defending rules made by men. Why not make life simpler? I mean, the, the Bible's thick enough, right? You want to add to that? It's thick enough. I'd rather follow it and be sure. Now, they truly believe, but genuine believers will remain faithful to the Scriptures above human opinion. They must discern between man's ways and God's ways. Of course, Christians also have these little added things, right? It's not necessarily, like modesty is in scripture. So ladies, we are encouraged to be modest. You are encouraged to be modest. Uh, but the level of skirt, I do not want to preach on that, okay? It's kind of, for me, too trivial. Who sets the rules? How many inches above the knee, is that it? Who sets the rules? Every culture has different rules. So I, I remember 
one of the significant men in, 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 in the Philippines, not, not in politics, but in education. I was hearing him, and he was explaining, you know, I don't understand these Westerners. You know, they come to our tribo, and they said, we should dress them up. And they dressed us up. Now, after several decades or centuries, now they don't want to dress up. If it is stated sin, then it is sin. If it is unclear, chill. If you saw the Bible drinking, Jesus drinking wine, chill. Don't say wine is drinking wine is a sin. But I've heard that so many times. The Bible said, do not get drunk. It didn't say drinking. But we defend it like it's the Bible. Now, I don't want you in your homes using this phrase. Pastor Ed said. Who am I? I'm just the echo. I'm just a messenger who studies and echo the word of God. Don't use my name to manipulate each other. You may say, oh, I'm reminded of a message by Pastor Ed from the scriptures. Okay, from the scriptures. Careful now. Because if you keep saying, Sabini Pastor Ed, you're, you're building another Pope, okay? And I don't like it. I'm married, all right? Uh, <laughs> Sometimes we use the names of biblical teachers to manipulate one another. Don't, don't, don't. We, our foundation must be God and the scriptures, the text. Don't tempt me. Don't elevate me. You pray for me and that's it. Praise God. Because I am nothing. I am a sinner like everybody else, saved by grace. Of course, as a preacher... My life and my family's life, we try our best by His grace to be a model and an inspiration, imperfect as we are. And that is part of the life of the one called my God. Application number one, remain faithful to the text. Let us understand the scriptures according to the context and remain faithful to the text. We must sift between the personal convictions of teachers that became dogma in the church and teaching that reflects biblical text in its context. There's a difference between this is my conviction that becomes doctrine. No, no, don't do that. We must not do that. Personal conviction is for me, I believe I shouldn't do this, therefore everybody should not do it. No, if we see what's in Scripture, then everybody should follow what's in Scripture. That's it. Number two, seek God's approval only. How about the approval of men? Well, if you find God's approval by God's grace, there are some people who will approve of you, not many. Not many. In fact, if you live Christ and preach Him, you're risking relationships when you preach the gospel. When you can't get drunk with friends, 
you're risking division. There is always a risk, but we seek God's approval. First, what did the scripture says? Not what this pop icon said, right? Or let's bring it local. But my crush said this. <laughs> oh, but my girlfriend said this. My boyfriend said this. They are not God. Did they die for you? Did they rise again from the dead? We are all nothing compared to Jesus Christ. We're nothing compared from the approval that comes from God. Are we seeking the favor of men or the favor of God? If we seek the favor of God, we will see Christ. And we will grow in Christ. And by His grace, our character will improve by His grace. And so many things will be conformed to the image of Christ by His grace. If we seek the approval of God first. How may we apply this? Well, seek His revealed will in the scriptures. Then what? Believe and obey. Believe and obey. So if the Bible clearly stated that adultery is a sin, either get married quickly, or, well, adultery, stay with your wife or husband. That's what I meant. But extramarital sex or premarital sex, that's a sin in Scripture. So what do you do? You stop. Get married if you, have, if you can't help it. Or say no in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? Well, you seek God's approval more than the approval of people. But this world operates on envy. Do you know that a lot of marketing operates on envy? They know the fallen man, the human nature of, oh, you're not good enough, therefore you, should, you need this product. You're not pretty enough, that's why you need these clothes. It's not enough. And sometimes we operate on envy with the people around us. There's nothing wrong with improving yourself by the grace of God, but you do not have to operate in envy. Because you are seeking the approval of men more. I should have that because they have it. No, not necessarily. We should have Christ. That's what we should have. And the only envy, allow me to use a phrase, is godly. Godly envy, an inspiration to be like the men and women of God. And that's the inspiration we must have. And lastly, represent and receive in His name. <clears throat> As the Son of God came in His Father's name, we should go and proclaim the gospel in Jesus' name. What does that mean in His name? We're not doing it for ourselves. We're doing it in His name. We're not doing it because we're forced to. We're doing it because we want to honor the Father in Jesus' name. We receive Christ, then we proclaim Christ. But let us also receive all who come in His name. 
And who are these? Those who cautiously represent the biblical text. And you see in their lives, publicly and privately, the testimony that indeed they are children of God. Not only based on their beliefs that they say, but based on their actions as well. Although we must still be gracious knowing that nobody is perfect, but you know that people are striving. Like Paul when he said, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection. And he said that after 21 years of ministry, he wrote that in Philippians, that I may know him. The continuous pursuit of knowing Christ, knowing the gospel, knowing the Father is a lifetime process. And that's what we invite you to do with us in our church community every Sunday and in our fellowships is that we can pursue in his name that we may know him according to the scriptures, not according to what people say, but we study it ourselves. So I encourage everybody, when Christ calls us to believe and obey, let us not refuse. So this is the title of today's poem, Do Not Refuse. He said God's love was not in them. Misled, they could not see the gem, the word of God that became flesh, equal with God and nothing less. They honored humans more than God. But they thought they believed, that's odd. Preferring honor between them, they sought the approval of men. The Jews thought they followed the law, but it's human writing they awed. Misled, they mislead the others so far away from the Father. It's the scriptures that will condemn, therefore remain true, unlike them. Thus, remain faithful to the text. Stay in context, don't be perplexed. Receive him, which is to believe. Through him we're divinely conceived, born from above and not of man, yet only through the Son of Man. Let us all rise. Let us pray. Thank you, Lord. Teach us to be careful, not to be self-seekers, honor-seekers from men. Not to teach what we think, but to teach the Word of God, cautiously handling it and presenting it. For if we are not careful, we are just like these Jews who passionately defend God, but ignorantly. And Jesus said, they do not have the love of God within them. Teach us to truly love Him. Father, we need your love in us to guide us. And that love is not merely emotional or mental, but spiritual. It is about truth. It is about the whole being of mind, soul, body, spirit. It's about knowing the truth of Scripture, about who Jesus is as witnessed by the writers. A witness that has been corroborated many, many times, saying that it is true. He did suffer, die, and He did rise again from the dead. And He did call us to repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And that's what we long for. And we thank you that this call to repentance seems to be an ongoing process. 
but eternal life you have given to those who believe. Yet teach us to call others to this forgiveness, no matter how evil the past. God's forgiveness is strong, stronger than any sin, stronger and brighter than any dark background. Teach us to honor Jesus Christ, whom the Father has sent. Teach us to believe. Teach us to love God. And Lord, we pray to receive your love in us. Teach us to seek only your approval, your favor, based on what Scripture says. And all our dealings with men would be aligned to how you commanded us. Teach us to find freedom in the writings, in the sacred writings. For one day, it's the sacred writings that will condemn those who do not obey it, to those who do not believe. Teach us day to day to meditate on Scripture. Teach us day to day to passionately love you, to glorify your name. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of His Spirit be with you all. God's people say, Amen, Amen and good morning.